Hello, friends. This is Pastor Pierce Eaton, and you're listening to First and Foremost, a podcast where we give you teaching and tools to make Jesus Christ first and foremost in your life. All right. So as you can see in the video, we're still in our Rhythms and Disciplines series. Um, So this is entitled Rhythms and Disciplines, Establishing Patterns for Transformation. Our focal verse for the whole series is 1 Timothy 4, 9, where Paul writes to Timothy and and encourages him to train himself, train yourself for godliness. And if you remember in the first uh, sermon of this series, we talked about how God's uh, God works by the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer to um, shape us and mold us for um, his good purposes and for our own good. And ultimately that shaping and molding um, is to conform us into the image of Christ. And God uses various, uh, various things in life, but uh, various rhythms and disciplines prescribed in Scripture And God uses those as a conduit for his Holy Spirit's work to sanctify the believer. And today we're looking at the spiritual discipline of prayer. Prayer. Now, uh, there are multiple forms of prayer. We can pray corporately. Scripture encourages us to pray corporately as, as a church. We're also encouraged to pray with one another in Scripture. So there's times where we need to grab another person and we need to go to them and say, I need prayer about this thing. But then also we're encouraged to pray individually. And that's what we're going to focus on. I don't have the ability to go over all three of those forms of prayer in one sermon. So we're going to focus on individual prayer today. And so what is prayer is what we're going to ask the question of. Why do we do it and how do we do it? You guys cool with that? Like four of you are cool with that. Hopefully the rest of you become okay with it. Hey, so I want to invite you to stand. We're going to read Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. This is probably a familiar passage to you. If you don't have your Bible, then you can follow along on the screen. And here's the, here's the thing. There's going to be a, par- a portion of this, verses 9 through 13, that I'm going to ask you to read with me. Okay? Because I bet you know it. Okay. Matthew 6, verses 5 through 13. Jesus says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need, to pray, or what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. I want you to participate with me in this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thank you. Let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then I'll ask you to, to take a seat. Father, 
As we look at prayer this morning and we look at the example Christ gave us in your word, Father, we just, we come to you as people who are fully and completely dependent on you in every single way. We come to you as our uh, as child, children of you, the good Father. And Lord, we ask this morning, whatever, whatever season of life we may be going through, whether we haven't prayed in a long time or whether we are someone who prays continuously, Lord, I, I ask that you speak to us during this time as we seek to unpack your word and practically apply it. Lord, uh, open our hearts and our minds and our ears to hear you and respond to you in this moment. You have a word for each one of us that we may leave here changed. So, Lord, I ask that you give us the ears to hear you. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take a seat. Prayer. Okay, so um, I'm just going to move this to the center. So, prayer. What, what, is, uh, what is prayer? So we just kind of did it, right? Um, put simply, prayer is communicating with God. It's communication with God. Um, maybe put more specifically, prayer is the privilege that God's children have of approaching his throne to commune with him and converse with him. So prayer consists of several different things. Prayer can consist of petition, entreaty, supplication, thanksgiving, praise, it can consist of hymns, even. Um, can, can consist of lament, of confession, and of repentance. So most of us have a, a pretty solid idea of what we know what prayer is. But do we know why we pray? Why do we pray? A lot of people don't understand why. And they get it misplaced. And so I want to address that. This morning, there are several more reasons than what I'm going to give you here, but there are three reasons I can see from the passage of why we pray, okay? So the first one of why we pray is to grow in godliness. So God, as I mentioned earlier, God places his spirit in the believer to mature the believer and conform us into the image of Christ. And prayer is a, a conduit for the Holy Spirit's work in the believer of maturing and uh, ultimately sanctifying the believer. So if the goal is ultimately to be conformed into the image of Christ, then we need to recognize and acknowledge that Jesus prayed a lot. So in Luke 5, verse 16 it says that Jesus frequently went away to desolate places to pray alone. So my question to you is, if Jesus needed to pray, then what makes us think we don't? As a spiritual discipline, prayer is second in importance only to scripture intake. The thing we've covered over the last two weeks. Um, prayer is so vital to our relationship with God. The second reason is because it is um, expected of us. It's an act of obedience. And prayer is expected of us. Martin Luther once stated that as it is the business of tailors to mend clothes and cobblers to mend shoes, so it is the business of Christians 
to pray. We can see this in our passage. If you look at verse 5, 6, and 7, Jesus doesn't say, if you pray, then pray like this. But he says, when you pray, this is how you ought to do it. We can see from our passage that prayer is an expectation. But not only is prayer an expectation, but it's actually a human instinct. Did you know this? So there's an instinctual thing in us that leads us to pray. So anthropologists have scoured the world and, and looked at all kinds of cultures and societies throughout history and never once have they ever found a culture or society that didn't have some form of prayer. No matter how remote, no matter how desolate, no matter where it was, prayer was a part of every single culture in some way, shape, or form, whether it be prayer to the true living God or prayer to some false god. But prayer was a part of everyone, every society's life. Even today, it's interesting, we see this even in the non-religious societies. That even non-religious people, people who are atheists, find themselves praying. A study done in 2004 in a country uh, that's very non-religious found that 47% of people who claim to be atheists admit that they pray either sometimes or regularly. So even the people who don't believe in God find themselves like just lifting up some kind of, well, you know, they, they put out something to the universe, right? It's kind of the way they phrase it. Or like, have you you've seen, this is kind of a common thing right now. People say, send good vibes my way. So maybe that's just a younger person thing or whatever, but um, that's just like um, sending good vibes your way. It's almost like, uh, you know, it's like what some people, you know, rather than saying pray, they'll say, hey, can you, can you send me like good, good thoughts and, and happy thoughts my way? It's like, man, I think that's some kind of weird form of prayer. I don't know. Um, so um, <laughs> it's a very odd form of it. But uh, no matter where we are, uh, we end up finding ourselves, it's an instinctual thing that we pray all over our society. And yet, we look at all over the world and people pray, and yet Christian prayer is absolutely and utterly unique compared to the prayer of every other world religion. Completely unique. Other world religions' prayers focus on asking and convincing this false deity um, to do something for them, right? It either focuses on that, or it's a ritualistic praying of something in order to remain in good favor with that false deity. And so, in other words, other religions' prayers often are a simple transaction between humans and that false deity. You pray these right words in this right order at this right time and put your body in the right position, and then God will hear you. But Christian prayer is not centered around a transaction with God, but is centered around communion with God. It's totally different. And that's the third and primary reason of why we pray, which is communion with God. We can see this in verse 9. If you look at verse 9, Jesus says, pray then like this. And he starts it off by saying, our 
Father in heaven. Our Father. In making this statement, Jesus is taking the world's view of prayer and turning it completely upside down. Completely. Because we're not praying, as Christians, we're not praying to some distant, angry deity who who doesn't really want to listen to us and, and doesn't really want to hear us, but we have to say things in the right way in order to appease him and get him to turn his ear towards us. That is not who we're praying to at all. In Christianity, we are praying to a loving, gentle, caring, attentive father who loves to hear his child's voice. That's who we're reaching out to. Understanding God as our father changes absolutely everything about the way that we pray. And for those of us who grew up in church, referring to God as father sounds so common that we forget the significance of it. Who are you? Who are you to deserve anything? You were born and and grew up as a rebel against God's cause. You were someone who rebelled against him in every way. You're someone who was against God's good plans in this world in every way. You stood against him and all the good things he was doing in our world. You stood against his good plans for your life. You stood against all of that. And yet, while you were still a sinner, Christ came and died for you. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. Just like you don't earn the next breath that you get. And yet, you're given it. And then through through faith in Christ and what he's done for us... He tells us that we're adopted, we're grafted into the vine, we're adopted into the family of God. So that when we talk to God, we're not talking to some distant deity, but we're talking to our Father. This is amazing. The creator of the universe hears you and doesn't hear you because you say things in the right way or this or that, but because he is your father. Understanding this changes everything about the way we pray. Because the goal then, when we understand that God is our father, the goal of prayer is not for the child of God to bring information to God. The goal is for the child of God to experience intimacy with him. And we can see this in other relationships we have. Like, if we just think about our relationships we have in our life, the the relationships that are most important to us, like think about our relationship with our spouse or with our kids or, or with our parents maybe, and if we think about those relationships, then we realize that we love to spend time with them and talk with them. And we don't do that because there's some ulterior motive, right? It's not to get something from them. We love to talk to them because we love to be with them. We love to talk to them. We love to interact with them. We love to hear from them. We love to share our lives with them because we love them. And so it is with our relationship with God. Christian prayer is um, utterly unique because Christian prayer is not mainly petition. Or at least that's not the main motive behind it. 
The main purpose of prayer is not asking things from God as it is in other world religions. The purpose of prayer is communion with God. We delight in him and our pleasure is found in him, so we talk to him. And of course, don't hear me wrongly. Of course, we make our requests known to God. He's, he's a good father, but as our passage says, he already knows what we need before we even ask. And so we make our requests known to God because he's a good father who delights in hearing our requests. And then here's the big thing. He answers prayer. He does. Maybe some of you, like, you need to hear that today. You're you're wondering whether God really does answer prayer. He does answer prayer. In fact, he gets 100% of the time he answers prayer. The answer might be no, but he answers prayer. So don't mishear me. When I say that Christian prayer is uh, not mainly petition, don't mishear me. I'm not saying that God doesn't want to us to bring our requests to him. He does desire that. Scripture is abundantly clear that God desires for us to come to him and make our requests known, and he answers prayer. But what I'm getting at is that the driving force behind why we pray is not so that we get what we want. That's not the driving force behind the why. The reason we pray at least taken from our passage here, three reasons, is to grow in godliness because it is an expectation of obedience and ultimately to commune with God for intimacy with him. So, how do we pray? So Jesus in our passage gives us a couple ways not to. It's always nice whenever we're told not to do it a certain way. And so in verse 5, we can see Jesus tells us not to pray like the hypocrites who want to be praised by others. So this isn't, this, Jesus is not making a statement about corporate prayer in this. He's talking about the people who, they go out to be seen by others because they want praise of other people. They want people to say, wow, your prayer life is so good. I can think of, uh, you know, people who might do this today in some way. We're not going to stand at the street corner or the synagogue or something like that, what it says here, and, and pray out loud. But this might be the person who's like, oh, well, if you need God to answer your prayers, he might answer it if your prayer life was as rich as mine is. Here, go ahead, share your prayer requests with me because the Lord answers my prayers. I pray for, I pray for 24 hours a day. It's like, Look, no one needs to know that. You don't need that pat on the back. Jesus tells us um, that that should not be the driving force behind why we pray. Instead, Jesus tells us that we are to go to the Father in secret. And what the Father sees in secret, he rewards. Verse 6, then Jesus tells us not to be like the pagans, not to be like the Gentile pagans who keep reciting prayers, the same prayer over and over and over and over, thinking that that's going to be the way that God hears us. If I just say it enough times, then God's going to hear what I have to say, and he'll answer my prayer. He'll give me what I'm asking for. 
Instead, Jesus tells us that we need to remember that God already knows what we need before we even ever ask. So you don't have to put some special string of words together. It's not about saying the, the right thing. <sighs> I didn't say it right in my prayer, and that's why God didn't answer it. It's not about that. And, and uh, you know, we, we may laugh at that, but that, I think some of us have had thoughts like that. I can even think of, you know, like the people, this is maybe a comedic thought, but um, the people who they, they are going to get to heaven and be surprised that Jesus doesn't only understand King James English. You know, the people that, it's like when you interact with them during the week, they, they, are, they speak completely normal. They're a normal person. But when it comes to them praying in front of people, then they add eth onto every, the end of every word. Lordeth we cometh unto you with, todayeth, to prayeth unto you with, fathereth. It's like, guys, come on. This is silly. It's not necessary. And it's, it's because, the reason why it's not necessary is because prayer is not a transaction between man and God. It's a conversation of a child to their father. This is why Jesus tells us to pray like this, our father in heaven. There is, I, I could preach multiple sermons on prayer, and there's a lot to, to be said on prayer. The Bible talks a lot about prayer. But if I could get you to have one truth about prayer deeply cemented, cemented in your heart today, it would be that God is your Father who loves to hear your voice. God is your Father. If you are in Christ and He loves to hear your voice. Okay, so practically... How do we implement prayer, youth? Practically, how do we implement prayer in our lives? Hey, guys, let's not distract the people around us. Thanks. So um, how do we practically begin praying in our lives and begin setting up rhythms and disciplines of prayer? So I think the first thing we have to remember, and hopefully this has been clear up to this point, is that um, this is more than, Christianity is more than a religion. It's a relationship. And I know you've heard that before, but it's true. And just like any healthy relationship, it requires communication and connection. So once again, if you think about your most important relationships, your spouse or your kids or your parents for you guys, um, if you think about your most important relationships, I can, and especially if you live with them, then I can guarantee that you connect with the people that are most important in your life in three uh, primary ways. You communicate with them in three primary ways. The first one is through passing conversations, right? So passing conversations are like, in your life, you're just doing things at home. Maybe you're doing chores and you just kind of converse with your spouse about little things here or there. Or maybe it's during the day, you might text them and say just something here or there. It's just, it's those passing conversations throughout the day and that person is brought up, in, in, that person that you love is, is brought to mind and you converse with them. The second way is through the conversations that we have within the daily rhythms that we have established in our lives. So, 
Um, example of this is you might get home from work every day and you talk to your family about how your day was. Or maybe you're sitting at the dinner table and you talk during that time. You, you eat every day, I assume. And so, um, so looking at you, I think you probably do. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm just full of insults today. Um, I, had to, I had to do it. No, but um, you eat every day, right? And so uh, during that time, um, you probably converse with your family, the people you eat with. Um, so you have all kinds of rhythms that throughout your day that the rhythm of your day prompts conversation with your loved ones. And then the third way that you communicate and connect with them is through quality time, right? This is that, this is that scheduled date night with your spouse. This is that scheduled date night with your kids where you, where you spend time with each other eye to eye, talking, learning, getting to know each other. Well, it's the same way in our relationship with God. So if we were to neglect any one of those three forms of communication, our relationship would suffer with our spouse or with our kids or with our parents or with whoever it may be. And in the same way, we have those three forms of communication with God in prayer. And if we neglect them, our relationship with God, our, our communion, our intimacy with God suffers. And so 1 Thessalonians 5.17 encourages us to pray continuously. So this is that, this is that uh, like the passing conversations thing. That be, because you, uh, you're having short moments um, throughout the day that, that lead to prayer that are prompted by various circumstances or thoughts, right? So um, an example of this might be like a moment of praise of God where you just, it, you're, you're driving and all of a sudden it just enters your mind that, man, Lord, you, you are so good. And I just, I want to, you, you're awesome, God. I just want to praise you for a moment. Or maybe like uh, you're, <laughs> this is a silly example, but maybe you're like trying to get a parking spot at the HEB in Texas City, which is like the worst parking lot in the world. And, and you're like looking for one, and then you happen to get front row right there, and you're like, oh, Lord, thank you. And whether the Lord orchestrated things for you to get that parking spot doesn't even matter. But you still use that moment to thank God, right? Just a moment of thankfulness. Or maybe uh, you have a moment throughout your day, and someone pops into your mind. And I haven't thought about that person in a really long time. I'm going to pray for him real quick. Just moments throughout the day, circumstances, thoughts that enter your mind, that you use those moments to pray continuously. Praying continuously is not this thing where you're walking around in a trance everywhere you go praying, right? So that's not what this is. It's, it's just an open line of communication that you have a prayerful heart throughout everything you do. And, and when you enter into different things in life, you just, you just that line of communication is open. So you pray. The second way is through minutes and moments. So this is like the conversations you have with your family during the, your daily rhythms. So you have various life rhythms that can prompt prayer. Many of you drive to work every day alone in your car and back home. That's a great time to spend in prayer. Maybe um, you shower, <laughs> I hope. Um, <laughs> Maybe you shower, and that would be a great time to spend in prayer. 
or wash your hands or um, one, of the, one of the daily rhythms that's very common in Christianity is to pray before a meal. We don't pray before a meal because we think that if we don't pray that God's going to make us choke on our grapes or something like that. So we, we pray before a meal because it's a rhythm of our life. We eat multiple times a day. And before we do that rhythm, we say, no, this is an opportunity for me to stop and to pray. And so there's other times that you can bake into your life that that, that daily rhythm that you have prompts prayer. And it's just a moment. Just a quick prayer. Not like, the, not like my dad was growing up where he'd pray for like 11 minutes before a meal. It was always the worst. Um, like, Dad, you don't have to give a sermon. My dad was a pastor. I try not to be that way for our girls. Um, so don't pray forever. Okay, and then the third area, the staff disagrees. Okay, the third area is quality time. Um, so this is exactly what it sounds like. It's dedicated eye-to-eye scheduled quality time. Um, I'll just throw this out there. This is the most neglected form of prayer in the modern uh, American Christian's life. It just is for many of us, including myself. That is the most neglected form of prayer. This is when we find a place, we set a time, and we get alone with God. If you're a note taker, I think that's in your notes. That you find a place, you set a time, you get alone with God in prayer. So this is that date, that date time with God. That you take a prolonged quality time, just so you know, quality time is an extended period of time. You can have, it's tough to have quality time in one minute. And so that quality time is 20 plus minutes of prayer. Now that sounds like a lot to some of us. Makes me think Martin Luther he was known for praying a lot. And um, he was a very busy person. He was leading the Reformation. He was a pastor of a church. He was writing books. He was a seminary professor. And he was traveling around Europe and preaching. And one of his seminary students asked him one time, how on earth do you get all that you need done, done in a day? And Martin Luther's response was, I have so much to do in a day that I must spend the first three hours in prayer. That's what he would do. First three hours of the day, he would spend in prayer. Yeah, goodness. I don't even know what I would pray for for three hours. Um, my goodness, it's amazing. And so this is dedicated quality time with God. Now, if you had that time, if you tried to spend 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour with the Lord in prayer, many of us would have no clue what to pray. And so this is why it's really wise to have a guide for our prayer. So a prayer guide is really simple. You can use scripture. Um, you can pray through scripture. You can use a hymn. You can pray through a hymn. Um, you can make a list of different things you want to make sure you pray for, and you pray those things. Uh, but I want to present to you the rest of our passage as the Lord's Supper is a, I mean, Lord's Supper, the Lord's Prayer, hey, Lord's Supper, but the Lord's Prayer is a great guide for that extended quality time of prayer with the Lord. Uh, whenever I have this, um, I often will use the Lord's Prayer for this purpose, and it's really not complicated. So, uh, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I start 
by just acknowledging God as my father and spend time praising him. That's what this moment, that's what that moment is. Praise, just praise God for who he is, what he's done. Then I go into the your kingdom come, your will be done. Um, during that time, I pray for God's kingdom work around the world. Pray for our church, um, pray for the lost, pray for missionaries. I pray that God's kingdom work um, be done. Give us this day our daily bread. I take time to thank God for his provision in my life and reflect on the goodness of God in my life. Think about things in the past, ways God has come through in miraculous ways, and just thank him for that and trust him going forward. Forgive us our debts. I take time to uh, thank God for the forgiveness I have in Christ. And if there's any sins that need repenting, which there often are, then I confess those and repent. Um, and then lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. I spend time asking God during that time to um, strengthen me against sin, uh, to give me wisdom and discernment, uh, to protect me, to protect my marriage, to, to protect my wife, to work in her life, to work in my kids' lives, to protect them. And then following all of that, if there's other things I need to pray for, then I lift those things up after. So um, this is a good guide in prayer, but it's just a guide. So God doesn't require us to have some sort of special formula in prayer. However, a prayer guide is very helpful for keeping our wandering minds on track. Because if you're anything like me, your mind will wander. Now, last thing is that prayer can feel awkward. if we're not doing it often. Getting alone with God for an extended period of time can feel awkward, just like any relationship. Like any relationship that you have, the less you talk to someone, the more awkward it feels when you do, right? And so for some of us, prayer feels weird, out of sync. We're not used to it. And I just wanna set before you the idea that we have to train ourselves to have a heart and a mindset of prayer. This is uh, prayer's a learned rhythm in our life. This is why Jesus taught the disciples how to pray. And so to a degree, you have to learn how to pray in this way. If you feel like you're not good at prayer, um, which I would say that there's no such thing as being good at prayer or not good at prayer, but if you feel that way, then I would just encourage you to pray, just to do it more. And so nothing, in, uh, nothing other than scripture intake is more important than prayer in your walk with Christ. This is more than a religion, it's a relationship. And so I wanna encourage you guys this week to cultivate that relationship. Find times where you can have the continuous conversation with God you find the minutes and moments within the, your daily rhythms, and then you figure out a time and a place to be alone with God for an extended period in prayer. Next week, we are going to unpack the spiritual discipline of worship. And so I'm excited about that. But this week, um, 
we are going to respond in worship and sing one last song. Now, here's something we're going to do that's a little different. From now on, uh, one of the things I noticed that we, we don't do is we don't have an opportunity for you to pray with other people um, in our worship service. And so uh, from now on, every week we're going to have some of our Bible study leaders that are going to be spread out around the room. There's going to be some at the back doors and on the sides of the room. And um, if you have a burden on your heart, if you need prayer about something, then this is an opportunity for you to go to a brother or sister in Christ and say, can you pray with me about this thing? And so we're going to do that every week during the response song. And so I just want to encourage you if, you, if you need prayer about something, this is an opportunity to do that. And if you maybe don't feel comfortable going to one of those people, you can also always grab the person that's standing beside you in the aisle and ask for them to pray with you as well. We can pray with you in the First Steps room and after the service too. But um, I want to invite you to stand and I'm going to pray for us and then we'll respond uh, through prayer and through worship. Father, thank you for, uh, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, the truth of the fact that you are our Father. Lord, if there's uh, one thing that we could grasp today, I wish it be that we understand you as Father. Help us to come to you in prayer this week. Lord, that we, uh, that we be people who seek after you in, in every way, that our hearts be drawn to you, that we, uh, that we communicate with you, that we seek intimacy and communion with you ultimately, Father. That we have continuous conversation, minute moments, and quality time with you. There's no more important relationship in our life than our relationship with you, and sometimes we lose sight of that. So, Father, forgive us. Forgive us for losing sight of that. And, Lord, we come to you in this moment asking that you give us a deeper love for you, communion with you, and that you draw us to seek you in prayer. Help us to respond to you as we sing together. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.